Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Hello everyone and welcome once again to our online service. It's a great pleasure and a blessing to be together uh, today to, to be around the Word of God and to continue to grow in the things of the Lord. You know, one of the things that I've learned in my life is the importance of listening to the teaching of the Word of God. The Word of God is actually ministering to us as it's going forward. It is living and active, it says, and it is sharper than a double-edged sword. And so in the times that you're sitting and submitting yourself to the ministry of the Word of God, it really does do the transformative work that God has ordained it to do. And uh, today, as we go into the last portion of our series, I just want to emphasize once again uh, some of the announcements that you saw uh, uh, being uh, coming before before we started and the importance of participating in those. If you haven't done spiritual family, please make sure that you commit to that. And if you're in a connect group already and you're at the point where you, you, you want to also make disciples according to the command of Jesus, Please join our Making Disciples training. Speak to your Connect leader, speak to your area leader, and we will uh, equip you uh, for, for the work that God has for us. And so even in these times of COVID-19, um, we see things almost getting back a little bit to normal. And uh, we want to encourage you to, to continue to have the Word of God in your mouth, continue to not allow fear to take over your heart as you are careful concerning everything that's happening. We're having our evening service, as you saw, and last week you had a fantastic time. People have already started registering, and uh, yeah, we're, we're obviously distancing and, and keeping masks and all of that, but the, the presence of the Lord uh, can reach us even, even though we're on an online platform. So I, I want to pray for us before we go into this message, and then uh, we'll get into the Word. So Father, I thank you, Lord, for just a wonderful privilege, Lord, that we have to, to be under the word of God, God Almighty. And I thank you, Lord, that your word will minister this morning according to your purpose. And I thank you that you will touch every single person listening to this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we started a series called The End Times, and um, uh, we've thought over the last two weeks concerning uh, the, the importance of, of understanding the times that we are in. And one of the reasons, and some of the reasons, though, that, uh, that we have been teaching on this is the fact that the Bible teaches about the end times. Uh, the Lord Jesus also taught about it, and today we'll focus on those, that passage. And then uh, there's also much speculation as to what will happen in the end times, who are the prominent figures in that time. And so we wanted to give you just a biblical perspective concerning that. And then uh, it's important that you understand the end times because it will have implications for how you live, how you position yourself, how you prioritize your life and give you an eternal perspective to the temporal life that we have here on earth. So the first week we dealt with the importance of Bible prophecy, very important message. If you haven't seen that, please go back and, and meditate on those, those scriptures. And then the second week, last week, we spoke about the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation. And today we'll deal with the prophecies and the promises of Jesus uh, concerning the end times. I just want to remind us once again 
What is biblical prophecy? Biblical prophecy is the declaration of divine revelations or truths by means of words, and they can be either predictive or causative. And Second uh, Peter chapter 1, here from verse 19 through to 21, speaks about how we have a more sure word of prophecy in the scriptures, and that no scripture is of personal interpretation. And so God has given us clarity through the scriptures by which we, may, uh, we are made wise unto salvation, and by which we are able to order our lives so that we are able to live according to God's will. Now, one of the major questions that we must settle, at least during this series, is this one. Are we actually in the last days? Are we actually in the last days? You know, many times we hear what's happening on the news. We hear an account of what's happening around us or in another country or all sorts of disasters around the world and rumors of wars. And, and the comment that usually comes to mind is, wow, we are in the last days, you know. And it is almost a speculative comment as if we're not sure that we are definitely in the last days. We say it to, to almost give us some kind of explanation as to what's happening around us. But I want to settle that for us today. And I want to give you here a scriptural evidence and proof that proves without a shadow of a doubt that we are in the last days. Now, there is a difference between the last days and the end time. The last days is the period before we get to the end time, and the end time is the end of the age. And we'll get to that. But with regards to the last days, Acts chapter 2, verse 14, up to 21. And this is an account where the disciples were in the upper room after the ascension of Jesus. He told them, don't go preach anywhere. I want you to stay in Jerusalem until the gift of the, of the Father comes, which is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And they were in the upper room, 120 of them praying and worshiping God. And the Holy Spirit came down and there were tongues of fire above their heads. And they started speaking in unknown tongues and there was commotion. And people begin to, began to hear it outside and they started murmuring and, and saying these people are actually drunk. And so then this is where the apostle Peter then stands up. This is verse 14. It says, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. He said, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And he says, and in the last days, this is what the prophet said, in the last days, God declares, listen here, this is what prophet Joel says, in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Verse 18, even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Verse 19, and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Verse 20, and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes 
the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now we always ask ourselves, are we in the last days? According to this scripture, the apostle Peter stood up and said, what you see here is what Joel said when he said, in the last days. And so the last days started when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the 120 and the church was birthed through the, uh, the, the supervision of the Holy Spirit. And it is very important that we settle that question. If anyone asks you, are we in the last days? Now you can answer them emphatically and say, yes, definitely. According to Acts chapter 2, here from verse 17. And this is once again another signal of the importance of prophecy. This was spoken by the prophet Joel hundreds of years before, before this manifestation. And he continues then to elaborate about what will come during those last days. And it is important to notice, and we'll see a scripture that deals with it, that um, many interpret the word days quite strictly. We are talking here about days in the sense of it might be years that we are in the last days. Because since the time that this has happened, it's been hundreds of years that have passed. But the word of God says to God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And so we are definitely in the last stage. And remember last week we spoke about the statue of Daniel and we are at the feet. There's nothing below it. We are at the last kingdoms that precede the invasion of the, the rock, which is Jesus and his kingdom that will invade. Now let's go on to Matthew 24, where Jesus begins to speak to his disciples about the end times, about the last days, about the, 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 the end of the age, about the man of sin that we dealt with last week as well, or the man of lawlessness. So we're looking here, reading together. It's going to be quite a lot of scripture that we're covering because I don't want to just bring forth my own ideas. We want to show you the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to highlight for us his truth concerning that scripture. So I'm reading here from Matthew 24, verse 3. It says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us. When will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Verse 4. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pain. So the disciples asked Jesus privately, when is it that you will be returning and what will be the signs of the end of the age? And so Jesus begins to first state, be careful that in this area you can get deceived. 
You can be led astray. So we approach this very carefully. And then secondly, you will begin to hear of all sorts of troubles coming on the earth, all the way from wars, rumors of wars, and all sorts of nations rising against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms, famines on the earth, and earthquakes in various places. These are birth pains. And we already see those things taking place right now. And I mean, the the First and Second World War were in this century, 1918, all the way 1945. And so there there were massive world wars that have taken place. And also we see quite a lot of famines around the world. And earthquakes is another thing that even Namibia has experienced. Then he goes on in verse 9. He says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. This falling away here is a falling away from the faith. Uh, uh, Timothy also speaks about this, or, or Paul's letter to Timothy, that in the last days many will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and all sorts of things. And it is important that you understand that this will begin to happen. And it, it, it will be crucial that you are well grounded in the word of God, well grounded in fellowship with other believers, well grounded in your convictions about Christ and his lordship in your life, so that you are not led astray, as we spoke last week, to the worship of the beast and the antichrist. And then it says in verse 11, And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. We hear many cold-hearted acts being, being perpetrated even in our nation. And every one of you must have seen the demonstrations that have been taking place. And it is so that there is a decline of morality in our societies and in our nations since the time when many philosophers like Frederick Nietzsche have stated that God is dead and because God is dead, we now have to march on and create our own morality and what is right will be right in my eyes and what is wrong will be wrong in my own eyes. And so Jesus is speaking about this and how the love of many will grow cold. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. I want to read that again. It's a critical value. This is the Lord Jesus who is coming. He will be, uh, he will be judge of the living and the dead so we can take his words. And he says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. There will be people in your own family, among your own friends who will betray you, who will say, no, he lives there. No, he lives there. Yeah, that's the Christian guy. And so it is very important that you realize that that kind of persecution we are not exempt from. And some may say, yes, but we might be raptured before that comes. In China and in other nations, there are many in the Middle East, there are many nations where people who are believers are being persecuted in that same way today. And so the the word of God even says that we are to remember our brothers in the faith who are imprisoned because of their faith, as if we are imprisoned together with them. And so you need to have a conviction. You need to be ready. You need to be prepared. There will not be an exemption or some kind of escape from persecutions. And you need to guard yourself against the falling away 
Because Jesus said, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Verse 14, and then he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed. And so many say, yeah, but we've been, we're preaching the gospel of salvation and, and the gospel of Jesus. It should be the gospel of the kingdom. Those things can be used interchangeably. When we speak about Jesus and people are getting saved, that is the gospel of the kingdom. Salvation, baptism in the Holy Spirit, the church growing, that is the gospel of the kingdom. And then it begins to affect families and, and, and communities and societies, etc., and so the preaching of this gospel has to be preached throughout the world as a testimony to all nations. Why? Because there will be a judgment day. And nobody will be able to have an excuse. The book of Romans says this, that there will be enough testimony against every man to say that you had an opportunity to make your life right with Christ. One, Jesus died on the cross for you. Two, he was raised from the dead. Three, he ascended. Four, he was preached among the nations. Five, he is coming back again. That message is going on throughout the whole world. And now with technology, we've even seen that people where there's no television are using cell phones. And there's all sorts of material and content that is now able to go to places in nations where previously maybe no one went. But now the gospel is coming through media. The gospel is coming through social media. The gospel is coming. No one, many times you don't have to travel all the way to a certain place. We, last Sunday, I noticed on our, on our comments that there was someone who was logging in from Sudan. That means that we can preach the gospel and make it known in places where we previously did not know. And the Holy Spirit will inspire people to send messages and to forward videos so that the gospel is being proclaimed throughout the whole world and that it is a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. I remember when my parents, um, in their time of ministry, whenever they would do um, sort of outreaches in the community, what would happen is lots of music and singing and the, the crowd would come and then they would put a, a, a sheet, a white sheet up uh, with some kind of suspension, and they would have a projector, and they would show the Jesus movie. Already media at that point was being used to preach the gospel. What I'm saying here is that we are now in a generation where the preaching of the gospel throughout the whole world is definitely a possibility. Definitely a possibility. Let's continue here. Matthew 24, Jesus continues to speak to his disciples. Verse 15, it says, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now we read um, uh, previous weeks about, um, last week about Daniel and the prophecies in Daniel. In Daniel, it speaks about how the, 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 the beast will, will bring the abomination of desolation, which is sort of like a desecration, something that is insulting and it's abominable. He will bring it into the temple of God. And many view this to be the rebuilt temple in Israel. 
with everything that's happening there because Jesus returns onto the Mount of Olives when he returns. And so when you see that taking place, Jesus said, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, verse 17. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in the winter or in a Sabbath, for then there will be a great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now and never will be. This is important. And what Jesus is saying here is there will not be time There will not be time to scurry around. You have to be prepared because when the manifestation of the evil one, the man of lawlessness comes upon the earth, then you have to be ready. And it will be a time where tribulation, Jesus says, such as has not been on the earth from the beginning, even until now and will never be again. This speaks of the great tribulation. And Daniel speaks of it as well. And many have the view that it will take place for seven years and it will be launched because of the manifestation of the man of lawlessness. And halfway through, he breaches a, a, a worldwide peace agreement and then begins the persecutions. And so it's so critical that we begin to see what Jesus is saying here is preparation, alertness, that you will be ready at that time. It says, and if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, and there he is, do not believe it. And he gives us that guidance to say, look, there will be many who will be running for direction, and there will be others who will be saying, no, it's here and it's there. And he says, do not believe. Verse 24, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect or the chosen ones or the believers. Verse 25, see, I have told you beforehand, Jesus says, so if they say to you, look, He's in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe them. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the, cor- uh, wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. And so he says that the coming of the Son of Man will not be something obscure. It won't be something that you have to wonder about. When Jesus descends on planet Earth, when he comes into the the world that he has created, the creator invading creation for the second time, it will be seen by the whole world. Everyone, everywhere will perceive his coming. This is awesome. This is awesome. And it's amazing that 2020, 2,000 years ago, Jesus is warning his disciples and telling them about these things. Verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. Remember the prophecy of Joel that Peter was quoting just now as we read in Acts chapter 2. He begins to mention these things. And he says, in the last days, 
the spirit will be poured out, and then later on he, he begins to say that the sun will be darkened. And the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. There will be evident, evident manifestations on a natural scale when, when those days come on, upon the earth. Verse 13, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Wow. They will mourn. They will weep. They will cry. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. With power and great glory. The last time Jesus came into earth, he came obscure. <laughs> he came to a city. He was born in a city called Bethlehem from Nazareth. And they said, can anything good come out of that place? Obscure. Poor. And now, with the second time he comes, he comes in glory and in power. And this was, just on the side, this was the expectation of the, uh, of the Israelites. According to the prophecies of the Messiah, you are supposed to be like David, conquering king. This is why many were disillusioned when Jesus was not willing to fight with the Romans and was talking about overcoming sin and all of those things. And so they were expecting this second coming. He will come with great power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his chosen ones from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. And then he says in verse 32, From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that the summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Hallelujah. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And many have viewed that uh, scripture in verse 24 to say, no, that was the generation of the disciples, and they passed away. It must have happened there. But if you put it together with what we saw last week in Thessalonians and what we saw also from Daniel and Revelation, speaking about how the, son of, the, 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 the day of the Son of Man has not yet come and the, th the things that must take place before that day. Don't be deceived. This is what Paul was talking about in Thessalonians. As some would say that, no, the, the second coming has already occurred. It's impossible. And so it is important that we realize, I believe that Jesus was speaking about that generation, that last generation, this generation where these things are happening will not pass away until these things take place. And heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And we looked at the scripture as well in the first week. Now let's continue on here. I hope you're following because this is so critical that you note this down. This is knowledge that you should have Jesus speaking to his disciples, you are a disciple of Jesus, or you're someone who's curious about becoming a disciple of Jesus. These are things that are for you. Verse 36, he says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. That day, specific day, and that hour, specific hour, no one knows. 
All this time, Jesus is speaking about the signs of the time and sort of around the time so that you're aware of the seasons and the times and the signs. But you will not know the day nor the hour. And this is why over the, the decades, many have predicted, no, Jesus is coming back on this day. There was even a poster in Namibia here in Auckland Park where people thought that Jesus was, I think it was going to be the, the 21st of March or something like that. And it was ridiculous. I mean, the scripture says here, no one knows the day. There were movies out about how the, May, the Mayan calendar was going to end at 2012, and so that's when the end of... Nonsense! It says here, no one knows the day, no one knows the hour. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. God the Father only. Verse 37, for as were the days of Noah, as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 38, for in those days... Before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So this is still Jesus in the same conversation, speaking to the disciples and telling them, let me give you an example of how things will, will take place. No one will know. They will, they will not expect it. They will not be ready, especially in a generation, especially in a generation where people don't want to listen to the warnings and the admonitions and the encouragements from believers, telling them what the word of God is saying. And he says that in the time of Noah, the earth was full of evil. The thoughts of men were continually towards evil. And in that time, um, it was Noah who was a righteous man preaching to them and saying there is a judgment coming. And everyone mocked him. In the same way, there will be people mocking. They'll go on eating and drinking, partying and enjoying, and then marrying and giving in marriage. For those of you who are anxious about getting married, you know, you're thinking the Lord mustn't come now. <laughs> I still want to get married. That's fine and all. It is important that he finds you with the right heart even on your wedding day. <laughs> and then it continues to say in verse 40, Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left behind. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. For know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. And verse 44, Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect what if he comes today are you ready where is he going to find you he's giving us an indication to encourage us not to give up and say ah the lord told told us 2000 it's been 2000 years he's not coming or it will be another two no we need to live ready this doesn't mean quit your job and pack a lot of canned food in your in your pantry and prepare no it means in your heart, be ready, and we'll go to the parables that follow to, to explain that. And so he says in verse 45, Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Remember, faithful and wise, whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, 
he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed, he's taking too long, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour when he does not know and will cut him to pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus is giving them an indication of what is to come because the first question the disciples ask is, tell us then, what will be the signs of the end and what, when will you be, be, be coming back? And he tells them all of this. And one of the warnings that he gives them here in verse 44 is you must be ready. When I come, I don't want to find you with nonsense. I want to find you doing what I expected you to do. And this is so important. You need to ask yourself, do you even know what God expects you to do with your life? Do you even care? Have you made an effort to spend time with the Lord, asking him, Lord, show me and direct me? And there are many people who are looking for the big purpose of life. Oh, Lord, I need to know my big calling. What is it? Am I going to be an evangelist or will I open, open orphanages or will I save women from uh, prostitution or will, I, or will I be a great accountant and a business person to finance the kingdom? And the Lord is saying, there are certain basics you are not even doing. Do you even come to church? Do you even make disciples? Do you just share the gospel at your job? And many want the big picture while they are not willing to do the day-to-day. Things like loving your wife, taking care of your family, taking care of your children, right? Being involved in the work of the gospel. These are things that the Lord will expect to see. Now let's go here. The next chapter because this is where we were in Matthew 24. The very next chapter is interesting when you put them together, is, is Matthew 25. I'm not going to read them all, but I'm just going to lift out. It's got the two parables. The first one is of the ten virgins, right? And this is a parable of ten virgins or ten ladies who were not married, and they were going to the wedding feast of the groom. And then what happens is they take with themselves lamps, and halfway through the night, five of them, they, or all of them, their lamps go out. Five of them are wise, and so they have extra oil to light it, but the others don't. They ask the other ones to say, can you give us some of your oil? And they say, no, we can't share it. They go to buy some oil at the 7-Eleven, and then come back, and the place is closed. And it's a massive disappointment. And what's the story? You didn't prepare. Then the next parable is talents. A business owner, owner of a, an estate, he gives these gentlemen bags of money, talents. And to one he gives one, to the other one he gives two, and the other one he gives five. And he goes to, he travels. When he comes back, he expects them to report on it. The one with five said, here's another five, I multiplied it. The, the, the one with two said, here's another two, I multiplied The one with one said, I knew you to be harsh, and I, I knew you to be a shrewd man. And he made some kind of excuse. And I hid it, and so here's, here's your, your money. And he said, why didn't you put it in a bank and at least get interest? And so the, the lesson there is fruitfulness. What Christ has put inside of you, bear the fruit. It won't just be a matter of, of you can't tell if someone is a Christian. You'll be able to tell. And many people are presumptuous and assume that they are right and they 
We are ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And many of you might say, yeah, I'll get ready when, the time, when I see the signs coming. What if this weekend your soul is required of you? Are you ready to face God and give an account for your life? Tomorrow is not promised to you. Your very next breath is not promised to you. But what is promised to you is eternal life that Christ has made available to us. Live in such a way that you're ready. The word of God says, make your calling and election sure. Make sure. You don't have to wait to be sure. You can be certain of your calling and election. If we were in the building, I would have uh, told you to look at your neighbor and say, ask your neighbor, are you ready? Give them that look because you know them. Are you ready to face the Lord? All right, let's keep on going here. We've got two, uh, uh, a couple of more scriptures to go through. Jesus is speaking here in Matthew 25, verse 31, after he speaks of these parables. And then he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. Verse 33, and he will place the sheep on his right but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Verse 40, and the king will answer, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. What's the key thing that's coming out here? One, your Christianity will be evident. These are examples of someone who is living for God to the point where they are not ticking off and even realizing, oh, I'm doing this so that I can get brownies uh, points with God. No, they are doing it because love is in them. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. and peace. So there's these evidences coming out. And that the Lord is saying here that the ones on the right, the sheep, there's a certain character trait about them. That they'll be able, you'll be able to tell these are the believers. Now let's continue here in verse 41. Then he will say to those on the left, the goats, depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Remember, God didn't intend for anyone to go to hell. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. But God, the devil's plan is to take as many of God's children along with him. Verse 42, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? 
Then he will answer them saying, Truly I say this to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now there are some of you saying, yeah, I'm not a Christian. I didn't give my life to Christ, but I take care of those in, in prison. And I, I go out and I give food to the hungry and the thirsty. I, I've, I've given them drink and all of those. It is not enough to do these things apart from Christ. He is here not talking about works that you do to earn salvation. He's talking about fruits, remember? Fruits that show in your life when you have received the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in the epistle of John, Beloved, let us not love in word only, but also in deed. If anyone is hungry, this is what will happen in the one who is born again. There will be a desire to help. There will be a compassion. There will be a love that comes from Christ. So those of you who you're not born again and you're doing all these things, it's not enough. Why? Because it's not my good outweighs my deeds. The issue with your sins is still in the way and only Christ removes that. But for those who have given their lives to Christ, these fruits are evidences. And the, the part that comes up in the scripture over and over is you did not do it to me. This is what Jesus says. It's a relationship with Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus. In your walk with God, are you just doing church, going to church, doing religious things? Or do you know the Lord Jesus? And so that's the final judgment portion. Now lastly... I want to share with us about entering the narrow gate. I'm reminded when I was in primary school of seeing this big poster at one, I think it was at a hospital, that had this um, big um, path, if you can say, where many things were happening and people were living in sin. And then there was a, a small detour which was narrow and there were almost cliffs and the believers and the righteous ones were going on that path. And the other ones that were on the white path were going onto a place that seemed to fall into hell. Now, this is a, a, a graphic picture that stayed with me all these years concerning the choice. It says in Matthew 7 verse 13, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Christianity, salvation in Christ, will not be popular. The majority will tend to go, no, I want to be my own God to my own thing. But following Christ is a narrow road. John Chapter 10, verse 9 says, this is Jesus speaking. It says, yes, I am the gate or I am the door. Those who come through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pasture. So when he says enter the narrow gate, it means coming through Christ. Jesus is the narrow gate. Jesus, not your sacrificial lifestyle. Jesus Christ is the narrow gate. And then John chapter 14 Verse 1 to 6 says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. This is Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place, but I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Remember his promise to his disciples. I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Verse 4. And you know the way where I am going. And Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus replied to him saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And for those who have said, no, there are many roads to God. Here Jesus states emphatically and clarifies and says, no, there are not many roads to God. Jesus is the only way. The only road to eternal life. And this is good news. This is good news because for those of us who are trying our best to be the best people and to be a good person for God and all, we don't need to do that. We can receive righteousness as a free gift. We can receive forgiveness of sins as a free gift. Because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, the judge of the universe has already made a way for us to be forgiven and acquitted from our case. Why would you not receive Christ? Why would you not receive the free gift that someone laid their own life for so that you could be forgiven? You have to acknowledge that you have offended God and the wrath of God abides upon you, abides upon the sinner. But God loves the sinner and he has made a way, he has made a way to forgive him and to redeem him from his sins. And this is the good news. As much as we're talking about the end times, as much as we're talking about the return of Christ, eternal life starts today. Today. Eternal life doesn't, we don't wait till the day when we die and go to heaven. No. Eternal life starts when you receive Christ into your heart, when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. And as we conclude this series, it's been a couple of weeks where we've really asked some Serious questions to ourselves. And we've asked ourselves, is Jesus truly Lord in your life? Is Jesus, is Jesus truly Lord in my life? Have I made him the ruler, the master of my life? Have I received him not only as savior, but as master and Lord? And many struggle with this because they say, yes, but I'm struggling to make Jesus Lord in this area. You need to repent. You need to humble yourself because your pride is in the way of you surrendering your life to Christ. Another question is, are you ready if Jesus had to come today? Or are you ready if you had to go to him today? I received some sad news about a family that lost a family member. And I was so encouraged that the previous week they traveled to another city to go and pray for that person. And they, they, they led the person to the Lord in their sixth state. And they were hoping that the person would recover and be healed. They received news just a couple of days later that the person went. But they died going to be with the Lord and no longer into damnation. Hallelujah. Precious in the sight of the Lord at the death of his saints. And it is amazing that Jesus is the gate. He is the door. He is the way. We preach Christ and him crucified. 
To many, it's foolishness. To others, it's offensive. But to us who are receiving Christ, it is the power of God, the wisdom of God, and it is the life of God. Jesus already made a way. Just repent and believe in the gospel. And then the last encouragement that I want to give to us at the end of the series is there are people who don't know that Jesus is Lord. There are people who don't know even that Jesus came the first time. And we are so concerned about the second time. Have we told them about the first time Jesus came? And we are soon coming into the Christmas time. There are going to be many opportunities for us to share the gospel and to tell people the good news about how Jesus made a way. I want to encourage each one of us to really take it up and make it our passion to share the good news. I want to pray for us right now. And let's just really open our hearts to what God wants Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that over the past few weeks, you have spoken to us from your word. You have given us, Lord, a sense of what we are to expect, Father God, and how we are to position our hearts, Lord, in these times. Right now, I thank you, Lord, that your word will not return void, and many, Father, will begin to establish Jesus Christ as Lord in their hearts and in their lives and in their families. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that your message today is not only for those who know you, but also for those who do not know you. If you're out there and you have not given your life to Christ yet, you have not confessed him as your Lord and your Savior, pray with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I believe that you died on the cross for me and I believe that after three days that you were raised from the dead and I believe that you are my Lord and I receive you today and I confess you as my Lord and my God and my Savior today I receive eternal life and forgiveness of sins into my heart Lord Come and be Lord of my life in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, for every single person that has watched even one of these sermons, Father God. And Lord, that your word will begin to work inside of our hearts to prepare us so that we might be able to live lives of purpose and lives committed to the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give us discernment, Lord. Give us wisdom in these times so that we may live as wise and not foolish. I thank you, Lord, for your blessing and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So may the Lord bless you. May you continue to stay in the word of God. Next week, we will have different messages coming up. We want to encourage you to get plugged into a connect group. Remember that you are called to be a disciple and to make disciples. And so make it your life purpose to be part of the mission of the Holy Spirit on the earth. I want to encourage you, continue to be bold as you go out there for the Lord. And also watch out for your family. Take care of those loved ones of yours. And may the Lord continue to reveal himself to you. For those of you who are joining us tonight, we look forward to seeing you. But have a wonderful, wonderful week ahead. And may God bless you. Thank you for listening. 
For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.